Welcome to the Frederick Seventh-day Adventist Church podcast, your place for positive, uplifting messages of hope. If you'd like to learn more about the church, you can feel free to drop by fredericksdachurch.org. Now here's Pastor Robert Quintana with today's message. Hey Lily, do you want to open a birthday present early? Yeah. You do? Okay, go sit on the couch. Is your birthday coming? Okay. So just open that backpack. No, no, just open it. Just look what's in there. Oh my goodness. Well, what's in there? Pull the stuff out. I got a movie. How'd you know I won this, Mom? Yeah. What else? I got another movie. How'd you know I won this? I didn't. I just didn't. Mommy, how? Pajamas. Ooh. What kind are those? Uh, there's a monster. I mean, Minnie Mouse. Minnie Mouse. What else is in there? Pajama pants. <gasps> wow. see. Do you remember? Show me. What does it say? What else is in there? Snacks? What else is in here? More snacks? That's it. Where do you think we should take all this stuff? Leave it here. Where do you want to go with it? Um, If you could go anywhere, where would you want to go? Why don't we go? Okay, let's go. Now. Today. <gasps> I'm being <laughs> I'm being serious. We going? We're leaving today to go to Disneyland. Are you joking? No, I'm not joking. Are we done? Yes, we're going. We're going. <laughs> <laughs> Are you excited? <laughs> something so pure and innocent and when you see the unadulterated joy of a child and uh, I, I came across that video uh, several months ago and I just thought to myself that is just one of the most precious things I have ever seen I mean here you have this little girl uh, she's been wanting to go to Disneyland for so long and now the parents have gone through all the trouble of getting the tickets, making the hotel reservations, getting everything in place, taking time out of work, taking the vacation time, and now sharing with her, we're going to Disneyland. And her expression, her response is 
priceless. I mean, the joy that you see in her just explodes. And there you see her just weeping, just crying. She has so much joy in her because one of her dreams is coming true. What do you think the parents would have felt like if when they had shared this news with her, that we're going to Disneyland, what do you think their reaction or how do you think the parents would have felt if the little girl said, I don't believe you? No, we're not going. We're really not going. I mean, I want to go. I have a desire to go, but I don't believe you. I don't really think we're going to go. And the mom and the dad are not, no, really, we're going. We've bought the tickets. We've made the reservations. We're going today. When we get back from, from when daddy gets back from work, we're going. Nope, I don't believe it. How do you think the parents would have felt? Will you bow your heads with me? Our Father in heaven, Lord, just before we open your word, we want to take a moment and just acknowledge you as the giver of love and lover of all. We want to acknowledge you as our Lord, as our Savior, as our friend. We want to acknowledge you as the one that can reveal to us wisdom and truth. So we open your word in the name of Jesus Christ. And we ask that through the power of your Holy Spirit, you make these words come alive. That we may leave here today believing in your promise. Believing in what you have said. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. You see, the reason why I share this video with you and pose that question is because I feel that for too many of us, we live in that state We live in that state that God says something about us or towards us and our reaction is just one of unbelief. Well, I know it's there, but I just don't believe it or it's hard for me to believe it. And so as a result, we live life carrying this guilt around us, the guilt of past sins Guilt of sins committed 20, 30 years ago. The guilt of sins committed last week or even yesterday. When the truth of the matter is, is that God has gone through so much. He has prepared the way. He has bought the tickets. He has made the reservations. He has done everything. And he says to us, you are forgiven. I'd like for you to turn in your Bibles to a very powerful scripture. It's found in 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. I'm reading from the New King James Version today, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Here Paul, speaking to the church in Corinth, has some very interesting words for them. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and let's start here with verse 14. It says, For the love of Christ compels us, because we judge thus, that if one died for all, then all died. 
So here Paul is saying to the church in Corinth that because Jesus Christ died, we have all died in Christ. In other words, Jesus Christ's death is sufficient for you and for me and for anyone and everyone who chooses to believe in the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. That in his death, because he died for you and for me, when we accept him into our lives, it is as though we have died with him. That is the promise. That is the promise. That is the word of God. That is, that is what he is saying to you and to me. And by faith, we now take hold of that and say, okay, I may not understand it. I may not feel it emotionally, intellectually. Maybe I don't know all the nuances, but your word says that because Jesus Christ died for all, we who have accepted him have died. Let's continue reading here. It says in verse 15, and he died for all that those who live should live no longer for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. Therefore, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh, even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know him thus no longer. I mean, these are some pretty powerful words. What Paul is saying here to the church in Corinth, That because Jesus Christ died on the cross and he died for all, you no longer live in the flesh. In other words, no one is, no one here is living in the condemnation of the flesh or of the law. No, because you are in Christ. And because Christ died for you, his death pays the price for your sins. And that's why it says in verse 17, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he will be a new creation. Is that what it says? It's not. Let me read it again. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have passed become new. Now, I don't know about you guys, but this is powerful stuff. This is amazing what Paul is teaching the church in Corinth. He says that if you are in Christ, you are a new creation. Not will be. No, he's saying you are. In other words, if you are in Christ, and you have surrendered your life to Christ, it is now no longer you who live, but it is Christ who lives in you. And by faith, and faith alone, do you accept the merits and the righteousness of God on your behalf. You see, because it's not your works. It's not your merits. It's not your righteousness that assures your salvation. It is not. It is the merits and the righteousness. It is the works of Christ on your behalf that grant you the salvation and forgiveness that you seek. And so here we are. We're living a life where God has said to us, you are forgiven. The righteousness of Jesus Christ is imputed to you. 
In other words, it is on your behalf. When God looks down at us, he doesn't see the sin in our lives. No, he sees the righteousness of Christ because his righteousness is now covering your life. But yet we receive this wonderful news. We, we receive this amazing news. And most of us choose to live a life ridden with guilt. And we think about the sins in our past. We think about all the stuff that we've done. And we question here today whether or not I have truly been forgiven for those sins. And yes, I've come before Christ many times. And yes, I have asked him for forgiveness of those sins. And yes, we come before him and we fall and we say, God, please forgive us. But then we get up from that prayer and we continue to live a life with that guilt weighing us down, with that sin weighing us down. And here today, Jesus Christ is saying to you, I have forgiven you. I have paid for the price of those sins And I will remind you that it's not just sin's past, it is sin's past, sin's present, and sin's future. If you are in Christ, there is no condemnation over your life. Christ says to us that if you are in me, I have paid in full for all the sins of your life. So why is it that we choose to say to our Heavenly Father, it's not true? Why do we choose to carry around that guilt? Why do we choose to carry around that burden with us? If Jesus Christ has promised us, if you are in me, there is no condemnation. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now all things are of God, verse 18. Who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation? That is that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. In other words, the reconciliation, the restoration that we seek from God, with God, it is impossible on your own. And that is why Jesus Christ was sent to this earth. That is why he chose to come to this earth. And he went about that restoration, that reconciliation back with God. And because God knew that we couldn't do it, Jesus Christ did it in our stead. And so now he offers to us, because he was victorious, he offers to us that gift of reconciliation. To be once again restored with God. Not because of your own merits, not because of your works, not because of your righteousness. No, because of the righteousness that belongs only to Jesus Christ because of his works, because of his death On the cross. If we continue reading here in verse 20, it says, Now then we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God were pleading through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Verse 21, listen to this. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Did you notice that? 
that Jesus Christ became sin? He took upon your sins, my sins. He took those sins upon himself. And the righteousness, his good works, his merits, he now says, I will give that to you. In other words, let's make an exchange here. I will take your crud, I will take all your sins, and I'm going to give you my righteousness. I'm going to give you my works. So that when God looks down at you, he doesn't see your sins. He doesn't see your dirty deeds. No, 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 no. When he looks down at you, he's going to see my righteousness, my good works, my merits. And as a result... We can live free from the bondage of sin because we have been set free through Jesus Christ. Now, what do we do with that? Like, how do we respond to that? Like, how is it that we live our lives knowing that Jesus Christ has died for our sins? Here it is, and this is where it's difficult for us. It is that by faith in Christ Jesus, we experience this freedom. In other words, having faith in who God is and what God has done and in what God has said, by faith I now live my life. In other words, faith in that what Jesus Christ has said is true. That's what's hard for us. You see, because I know me, you know you. And you know the things that you struggle with. You know the sins committed in years past. And you carry those things. But in times like that, when you're struggling with guilt, when you're struggling with sin, you need to fall to your knees and you need to say, by faith, God, I trust in you. God, give me the faith to trust in what you have promised, in what you have done for me. Because when you have that connection, when you have that faith that says, God, I am imperfect, but in Christ Jesus, I am made righteous, Christ's sacrifice, his righteousness is imputed to you. In other words, his righteousness is granted to you. And when God looks down, he doesn't see your mess. No, he sees the righteousness of Christ. Let's just read a couple other passages in Scripture to kind of try and bring this point home because it is something a little difficult to understand. You know, we we grow up in a world where we think, man, I need to do something. I need to work towards this, you know? And and we, we, we live in this world that says, you know, well, you need to do this and you need to do X. And, and unless you do A, B, and C, and unless you do step one, two, and three, well, good luck. And what happens is we fail constantly. And so we're constantly living in this guilt, in this world of guilt that says, I'm not good enough. I'm not perfect enough. I'm just never going to make it. And all the while, Jesus is saying to us, God is saying to us through his word, that it is the righteousness of Christ that ensures your salvation. You might remember an illustration that I had several months ago when I had a washer up here. Do you remember that? And I had a dirty rag and I put that dirty rag in the washer. And I said, if you are in Christ, there is no condemnation. Now, this doesn't mean that God doesn't want to work out the sin in your life. 
This doesn't mean that God doesn't want you to overcome and have victory over the sin in your life. No, that's what the Holy Spirit is doing every day, convicting us of our sin, helping us to grow and to become the person that God has intended for us. That's what you're doing in the wash. You're being cleansed by the Holy Spirit. That's what you're doing in the wash. But guess what? If you are in the wash, if you are in Christ, there is no condemnation. Why? Because the merits and righteousness of Jesus Christ are imputed on your behalf. And when God looks down, he doesn't see your sin. He sees the righteousness of Christ. Let's read a few more verses here that hopefully will help bring this point home. Turn with me to the book of Philippians. Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3, verse 8 and 9. Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3, verse 8 and 9, it says, Yet indeed I also count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord. So here Paul is saying to the church in Philippi, listen, everything that I have, everything that I own, everything that I've been through, everything, uh, the good, the bad, the ugly, everything that I have, everything that I've been through, I count as nothing. I count all of those things as as rubbish, as, as a loss, all for the knowledge of Jesus Christ. In other words, for the understanding of who Jesus Christ is and what Jesus Christ has done for me. There is nothing, Paul says, there is nothing that I would rather have, own, or know than Jesus Christ. Why? Listen on. It says, Yet indeed, I also count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith. And in other words, he says, listen, I count, it doesn't matter what I know, what I have, I count all of that is lost. The one thing I want to know is the knowledge of Jesus Christ, what Jesus Christ has done for me. And then he goes on to explain what Jesus Christ has done for me, that it is his righteousness, not my righteousness. Now check this out. I mean, if there was anyone on the planet that could, 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 you know, kind of boast a little bit about his own righteousness, that probably would have been Paul. I mean, if you think of Paul's life and everything that Paul has done, I mean, Paul has given everything up. Hey, sweetie. (laughs) I think she got lost. Paul has given everything up. Everything. He's been shipwrecked. He's been beaten all for for the spreading of the gospel, to share with Christ, to share with others what Christ has done for him, right? I mean, has anyone, can anyone here say that? You know, that you've been beaten, you've been persecuted, you've been thrown in prison, 
you know, you've had your back lashed a few times. You've been shipwrecked all because you want to give everything to, to God. I, yeah. See, no one here is raising their hand. If there's anyone that can say, well, listen, man, I've done a lot of good works for God, it would have been Paul. And Paul says, all of that is nothing. I count it as loss for the knowledge that in Jesus Christ, it is his righteousness. And that righteousness is accredited to me by the faith that I have in my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Let me just read it again. Verse 9 there, and be found in Christ, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith. Let's read one other verse. It's found in Galatians chapter 2. And folks, we do not have time to go through all the verses in Scripture here today that talk about how it is the merits of Christ that are given to us. Galatians chapter 2, verse 16. Galatians chapter 2, verse 16 says this, Knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law. We are not justified. In other words, we are not set free. We are not cleared of our trespasses. We are not forgiven by our works. You can, I mean, listen, you can try as much as you want from now until the day you die to earn God's salvation and to reach that righteousness. You can try as hard as you want for the rest of your life I am telling you, the Bible is telling us, God is telling us, you will never get there. It is only through the righteousness of Christ. And this is what it says here. Knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but how? How is a man justified? By the faith in Christ Jesus. Even we have believed in Christ Jesus, that we might be justified, there it is again, by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law, for by the works of the law, no flesh shall be justified. And so, here's the word, here's the promise. This is what God is saying to you and to me right now, is that if you have faith in Jesus Christ, in other words, if you surrender to him, His righteousness, his merits, his works is applied to your account. It is applied to your account. You are forgiven. But yet, we seem to want to relive the past. There are sins that we committed 20, 30 years ago. Maybe we're carrying guilt because of how things went our first marriage or second marriage. Maybe we're carrying the guilt because of of an unborn child. Maybe we're, we're carrying the guilt because, you know, of the way that we treated our parents, our mother, our father, and, and they since have passed away. Listen, Christ says that that is in the past. Your sins have been forgiven. And now we move forward in faith in Christ Jesus. That is good news. That is awesome news. And and the reality is, is that we should be responding much like this little girl. 
We should be responding like this little girl because what God is saying to us is much more than a trip to Disneyland. He is saying to us, you, through Jesus Christ, have the assurance of salvation. You have the assurance that your sins have been forgiven. Our hearts should be so overwhelmed with joy that we, as this little girl, should just bust out in tears and just break out and just say, hallelujah, 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 that in Jesus Christ, I have the assurance of forgiveness in my life. I want to share with you just a few other verses. I'd like for you to turn in your Bibles to the book of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 8. This is such a powerful book. On this subject, I encourage you to read through it. Hebrews chapter 8. Hebrews chapter 8, verse 12. Says this. Says, for I will be merciful to their unrighteousness. And their sins. And their lawless deeds. I will remember no more. Turn to Isaiah chapter 43, verse 25. Isaiah chapter 43, verse 25. Isaiah chapter 43, verse 25, teaches this. I, even I, God says, am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake. I will not remember your sins. Let's read another one. Let's go to Jeremiah chapter 31. Jeremiah chapter 31, verse 34. Jeremiah chapter 31, verse 34. This is what it says here. It says, No more shall every man teach his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they all shall know me. From the least of them to the greatest of them, says the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquities and their sin. I will remember no more. This is the joy. I mean, this is the promise that if you are in Christ, there is no condemnation and that there is no need to live in the past because those sins have been forgiven. Now, that doesn't mean that we forget about what we've done because certainly there is some merit in learning from the past. I mean, there is certainly some merit in saying, you know what, I I remember that sin. I remember those decisions that I made early on in my life. You know what, I learned from those things. and, And you know how they say that the past is the key to the future, right? So there's merit in saying I learned from those things. But we do absolutely nothing by carrying the guilt of that sin. Questioning whether or not we've been forgiven. I remember uh, coming across this parable a few years ago about a lady who came to her pastor and said, Pastor, something weird's been happening to me for the last several months. She says to the pastor, you know, I just, I, I think I've been having visions where I've been like conversing with God. And the pastor was, you know, a little leery. He says, well, explain yourself. He says, yeah, you know, just several nights, you know, during the week, 
I just go into this vision, into this trance, and I feel like I'm communicating with God. And it's been going on for several months. I haven't told anybody because, you know, it's a little weird, and I don't want people to think that I'm weird. But it happened again last night, and I just feel like I need to tell someone. And so the pastor, you know, was, was a little skeptical. And he says, well, you know, let's, uh, let's think about this. And, and he says, Let, let's verify, Let, let's check to see if the person that you're conversing with is really God. He says, next time you have a vision, next time you're conversing with God, the pastor says to the woman, I want you to ask him about a sin that I committed back years and years ago, back in college, that only I know, only me and God know. So I want you to ask him. And if he's able to tell you about the sin that you committed years ago, you know, the sin that I committed, then we know that it's God because only God would know. And so that pastor man was anxious that whole week until the following week when he saw the lady and he goes, well, well, did you see God? Did you have another vision that you conversed with him? She says, yeah, several times. How did it go? Did you ask him? And she goes, I did. I asked him. I said, do you know of a sin that my pastor committed back in college? And, and, and he didn't have an answer. And, and he was like, see, it must not be God. He said, no, no, wait a second. God asked me to tell you or to ask you, have you asked for forgiveness of that sin? And the pastor says, of course I've asked forgiveness for that sin. I've, I've, a gazillion times I've asked for forgiveness of that sin. And the lady says, well, that's why God didn't remember. You see, we're the ones that are constantly wanting to live in the past. And when I read this, what the word of God tells me is, is that when I come before God and I humble myself and I say, God, I've sinned, forgive me, I am sorry. What the word of God teaches me is that God says, okay, restart. We're starting the game, it's zero, zero. You see, we're the one that keeps score. It's 1,200 to zero. I just keep on falling. I keep on doing the same thing over and over and over again. But the Bible teaches, the word of God says that when we come before God and we confess our sins, we are fa- he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And like the Bible says, he takes those sins and he throws them in the depths of the sea. And he tells us, I will remember it no more. And that's what he says to us. That is a promise. That that is what he is telling us here today. Stop living in the past. Stop carrying around the guilt of years past. Just let it go. It is from now on, from this moment forward. Jesus says to the woman, neither do I condemn you. Go, sin no more. Just don't worry about the past. We're here right now. We're good. I have forgiven you for that. Let's move forward. So when we ask ourselves the question, how can I forgive myself? We ask that question, and that's what we're trying to answer here today. How can I forgive myself? Because part one of this series was God forgiving us. 
and the second part of the series, how we should forgive others. And today's part is how we forgive ourselves. And you might remember me saying throughout this entire series that the only way we can understand forgiveness is if we understand what God says about forgiveness. And what God is saying to us here today is that your sins are forgiven. And so if God forgives us, why can't we just say, God, you know what? Forgive myself. I'm not happy about what I did. I'm not proud about what I did. And I'm going to learn from what I did. But God, you have promised me in your word that I am forgiven. And by faith, I'm going to move forward knowing that I've been forgiven. Zero, zero. It's a restart. We're starting here anew. And God says that if you are in me, you are forgiven. How's God going to feel? How is God going to feel if he teaches us this? And then we leave here today thinking, "Ah, sounds good. I'm just not sure that it's true. I mean, it sounds good, but it just can't be that easy. How do you think the parents would have felt if that little girl had responded and said, I don't believe you. It's not true. Instead, that little girl trusted and she had all the faith in the world that what her parents were saying were true. And because she believed in her heart of hearts, because she had faith in her parents, you can just see the joy explode in her And she cries out. I mean, she's tearing up. She's crying. We're going to Disneyland. We're going to Disneyland. And folks, as Christians, if we are in Christ, we should be crying out, I'm forgiven. I am forgiven. I am forgiven in Christ Jesus. I am forgiven. That should be our cry. And let that joy just explode within you. Because I am telling you that once you realize what Christ has done for you, you will experience works like you never have before. Because no longer are your works coming out of a sense of guilt. Your works are now coming out of a sense of gratitude. And that is now why you, maybe you're putting two and two together. That is why the Bible says that that faith without works is dead. That is, that is the, the, the relationship between the two. In other words, listen to this, listen to this. I don't do good works because I want to be saved. I do good works because I know I'm saved. Do you see the difference? Do you see the difference? And there are so many Christians out there today that are working and working hard and they're giving their time and their energy and their financial resources to the church because they want to be saved. And usually they're kind of grumpy Christians, right? They're critical Christians. They're Christians that go around pointing the finger and upset all the time. And and you think to yourself, man, wait a second. Why, Why are you so unhappy? I mean, but then... There are a few. There are a few Christians out there that that work hard, dedicate their time and their energy to the church. They they go out and they're just joyful and they're happy. And you know why they're doing it? 
because they know they're saved. That's what Christ wants for you and for me. He wants our works to be rooted in the grace of Jesus Christ, not rooted in our self-righteousness. So folks, as you leave here today, just take to heart what we've read today. Just remember the promise that God makes to you and to me. That if you confess your sins, you are forgiven. That if you are in Christ, there is no condemnation. That your sins and your unrighteousness was placed on Christ and Christ died for that unrighteousness. And now we live by faith in Christ Jesus, knowing that we're saved, knowing that we are forgiven. And when you realize that, when you have faith in that, your response will be like that little girl's. And you will break out in joy and in happiness. And you will experience the freedom that we've been talking about this whole series. The freedom that we find in forgiveness as we realize how Christ has forgiven us. No matter where you are in your spiritual journey, Frederick Seventh-day Adventist Church would love to help you along the way. We are a family-oriented, grace-filled church serving the Frederick, Maryland area. You can feel free to learn more about us at fredericksdachurch.org. For more podcasts, click on Sermon Audio.